Tri-State's number one motorsports talk show. Today's program is brought to you in part by our marketing partners. Recognized by the Eastern Motorsports Press Association as one of the top racing shows in the Eastern United States, here's Rappin' on Racing. This is the Banker Bob Thought for this evening. Everybody has a photographic memory, but I found as I get older, I don't seem to have enough film. All right, fans, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Wrapping on Racing, February 9th, 2023. And with me tonight is co-host Dave Oliveri. Dave, how are you? Don, I'm doing well. You might have thought I was in the witness protection program, but uh, with was... the holidays and things just being going around, and I know our staff usually does a, new, uh, a wonderful job, and plus with the new format, I knew we were in good hands. Hey, I want to send out some get well wishes to our multimedia data collection facilitator, banker Bob Miller. And when you hear uh, Chuck Kennedy's interview, you'll hear how that nickname came to be. But uh, we have a nice lineup of guests. We have Matthew Dillner, the senior producer at Flow Racing, and he's going to discuss the legends of racing with PRN at the track host Lenny Baticki. And we also have a nice interview with Brian Hutchko, the driver of the number 60 Crate Late model. Yeah, you know, his paint job, he had his car down at the car show. It's it's almost like it glows in the dark, and I guess that ties in with his sponsors. Well, I think one of the best things that I, I took from that, and I was kind of watching things on Facebook, but Brian made the effort wear his driver's suit. Now, the driver's suit, Don, is about the same color combination of the car, but the young fans, they saw someone in a racing suit, and and they were just over at that car, just, you know, wanting to get in, talking to meeting the driver. So, you know, congratulations to Brian on, you know, moving up a class, but also, you know, taking care of our next race fans. But, you know, speaking of race fans, Tyler Harris has a nice interview with hobby stock driver Matt Bernard. I had a chance to talk to Matt's parents at the Race for Tots party. Nice family. Uh, you know, Matt's in the hobby stock division. He's an up-and-coming driver. Yeah, and uh, beautiful interviews, both of them. And you'll get the whole rundown on Hutchco and the fire suit story. And then uh, the, the thing that Tyler did with Matt, uh, both cars were at the World of Wheels show for Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, and that was one of the reasons that we wanted to do that. And Tyler's going to highlight some of the other people that participated as our shows continue. I have a nice interview with Hall of Fame driver and current car owner Chuck Kennedy. He had a pretty rough year, but uh, it was a good interview, and he's feeling pretty good, and they're they're looking forward to the new season. Probably uh, Lernerville will be the home track. I don't know if they're going to do any other uh, issues other than that, but that'll keep them out of mischief. And then you, I, ha- mean, I don't, you know, I haven't had a chance to hear the interview yet. I'll be, you know, waiting to listen to it. But you know, in addition to you know Clayton not really racing much last year with Chuck's you know health conditions, he's always like you said, he's always got a project there, and I know he's got a couple old race cars that he's been tinkering with and you know maybe just maybe we'll see those out this year as well Don. well uh his 
current project that he wants to get done is a number 45. Uh, it was a Bob Schaefnocker late model, and he's working on that. Plus, he's got two or three other ones. He said he's got them all over the place. And uh, little by little, they're they're chipping away. But I think the 45 is the most current uh, nostalgia car that he wants to get put together. Now, you had some time down at East Bay Raceway, and you got a nice interview with Drake Trotman, Travis Vanador, and Tyler Nicely. So uh, that, that had to be a nice trip. It was. Uh, I went down to visit a good friend of ours, uh, Doug Clark, and I'm thinking to myself, they're up in Clearwater. Tampa's about a half hour away. I don't get. I'm not sure how much longer East Bay is going to be there. So, Doug and I made the trek over. It was you know beautiful weather. I'm, we're, we're sitting here like nine degrees in Pittsburgh, and it, we're, we're in short sleeve shirts down there. And I called you, and you're like, "Where could you possibly be?" I said, "Hey, I'm in East Bay. I'm working for you. I'm, I'm working hard." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do a lot of nice interviews. Uh, the do you want to explain to people how you know Doug Clark? Yeah, Doug is uh, a lifelong friend. We went to you know grade school together, high school together. We're in scouting for you know fifteen years, and just always stayed in touch. And I knew I knew he was always down at Pittsburgh, but with my commitments, with you know first of all with Jim Burgess, then with Russ Dunn, we didn't get a chance to race at Pittsburgh very often, and it's just. Uh, and then when I kind of stepped back from the, the, the car owner role and became a part of Rapid on Racing, we got to see Doug a little bit more often. And he was kind of sharing the stories. You know, the last time I saw Don, he was coming up the, the roadway, and some, I don't know, it was the water truck or something, pushed the pace car in the ditch, and you had to get Hamilton to go pull yeah. you out. He says, never a dull moment in Pittsburgh. Yeah, well... All I knew was that you and Doug were friends from him working the back gate. I didn't know all that other stuff. So you got a long history with him. A great guy. Yeah. Yeah, it just it was good to see him and, and his wife, Britt. And, and like I said, it was funny. Uh, um, I'm out of East Bay, and, it, and a lot of people don't really know what the UMP modifieds are, but they call them EMODs back here, and they've been on a basically a two-week swing they're at Volusia, they were at East Bay uh, and there's a really nice point fund, but I'm walking through the stands and I was kind of kidding you, you were asking me what the the stands look like, and I said I thought I took a picture of one of the local racetracks and uh, so Doug and I are moving around from the pits up into the grandstands and I'm like hey, why are you being ignorant? Why don't you say hello? And I'm like, who the heck's talking to me in this grandstand of like 100 people and someone yelling at me? And here is Bill and Heidi Thomas. Bill used to race uh, uh, up at Sharon Speedway. They're a member of the Hess family. So it was good to see them, and we enjoyed the rest of the race with them, Don. So you you can't hide from anybody, right? No, no. It's like you know, you're trying to take a little vacation. You go to the racetrack where no one will see you. That didn't work. <laughs> Well, did we cover everything? Do you have any closing thoughts? I, no, I'm not. I just, um, yeah, I do have a closing thought. It's just for all us race junkies and people who are listening to Rapping on Racing, and you mentioned uh, our, our, the gentleman, um, Matthew Dillner from Flow. 
if you are a race junkie and you can't get enough for racing in the month of February and into early March, and you're not, you don't have uh, racing, shame on you. Yeah, they, I had it on before your call. It's just, and uh, a good friend, uh, Logan Zarin's da- down there, and he's going to racing school because he's racing with some of the best in the country, and I'm sure he's picking up some pointers and some tips. Just make him faster and better when he gets home. It is, and he's down there with the ash dragger, so that's pretty good, and, and Jimmy's always a good thing. And it, again, just trying to set up the car and see what these guys do because not all of them are, you know, they, not until, I guess, we hear this on the ninth, uh, big point start down at uh, East Bay. So there's been a couple of nights where you can take off, and I know uh, some of the drivers are elected not to run, and uh, uh, big sexy Brandon Overton, he jumped out of his car, and he's driving a Warrior chassis car, and he finished fourth the one night. So I, I tend not to think always it's the chassis. It might have a little bit to do with the driver. I think you be, might be right. And uh, Jonathan Davenport uh, took a night off, went home to spend some time with the family. Well, yeah, I think that about wraps it up. You know, hopefully is the... The, the days get a little bit longer. We get a little more information from the tracks out there. Uh, we'll, we'll be back to our normal shenanigans, uh, like, you know, maybe once or a couple times a month. Okay. I thank you. You have a nice day. You do the same, Don. Thanks for tuning in to Rappin' on Racing. I'm Lenny Baticki. Coming up next, a recording we did for PRN's At the Track. Check it out. Show your relentless passion for grassroots racing with a PRN's At The Track hoodie or t-shirt. Available now at ljdesigns.net. Welcome back to PRN's At The Track. Joining us now on the profabrication.com hotline. A person who has that relentless passion for grassroots racing. A longtime friend of mine, now senior producer of Flow Racing TV, Matthew Dillner. Hey, Matthew, great to have you on the show. I know you offered me the opportunity to see this ahead of time, but I wanted to hear about the new series that you have have put such effort into to showcasing for USAC and for all the folks out there. What is the series about? What can you tell us about it? Help me get even more excited uh, than I, I was once I actually did read the pressers about it <laughs> well you know uh from my past and and from our friendship that i love racing but i love racing history uh equally uh if not more and um you know did the show with dale jr lost speedways which you know scratch an itch and a lifelong dream and uh, that pursuit and um coming over to your flow now you know uh we wanted to do something history wise and they had started developing a series and they didn't really have it down pat yet uh but when i came along that was one of my big intentions uh and it's called legends of racing and uh it's a it's a it's a history motorsports history docuseries uh to tell the stories of some of these legends in the past but also legendary you know stories so it's like it's legends and legends <laughs> if, if you get that play of words uh buddy but uh yeah the first episode just aired uh on tuesday and it's a, it's basically a full-length feature film wow uh, each one of these episodes is going to be a long format like documentary uh that delves into the stories of particular subjects or people and uh the first episode is absolutely wild uh, and it's about the bettenhausens Wow, that is a big name in the world of USAC. And even if I recall, didn't one of them uh, race back in the AAA sanctioned days? 
Oh yeah, Tony Bettenhausen, the the patriarch, was a Triple uh, A champion. You know, two time uh, national champion uh, before he. Uh, lost his life at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in 1961. Well, let's hold uh, hold up there. Hold up there. Matthew Dillner, the senior producer of Flow Racing TV, is our guest on the (laughs) ProFabrication.com hotline. Speaking of ProFabrication, headers exhaust all the parts and pieces that go with it. Just a click of a mouse away at ProFabrication.com. So tragedies for the uh, Bettenhouse family, triumphs. Uh, I mean, (laughs) the list goes on and on of the emotions that one can feel with this what did this cinematic journey uh, into racing's past mean to you even as you were getting the green light to go do it and then through the process well honestly you know when you think of Benthausen's you think of that history uh, at Indianapolis and that history in USAC short track midget sprint car silver crown car uh, history but really once you get into the edit and once you get into uh, the story it's the emotion it's the dedication Lenny uh, these people sacrificed everything, lost limbs, uh, were burnt. Um, all of this to, you know, kind of capture that unfulfilled dream of Tony Bettenhouse and the pa- patriarch. And they endured so much. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a chilling at times, but very emotional uh, roller coaster of a story. I mean, Gary Bettenhausen was on the edge of winning the Indy 500. He had arrived with Penske. Um, the biggest name in, in motorsports and an accident derailed that, you know, he lost his ride, you know, almost could have lost his life. Um, it's just a story that I think would resonate with even non-racing people of just the roller coasters of life. Hold it there. Senior producer, Flow Racing TV. You can get a subscription to Flow Racing TV. One of the great things to have when you want to be able to see great things like our senior producer friend here, Matthew Diller, is telling us about the premiere of the first of these documentaries, The Legends of Racing, now available on Flow Racing TV. The Bettenhouse family, such history history but how about in that edit room matthew when you got to push the button and hear the voice of the lost robin miller as he was a part of this introduction yeah that's something really special because a lot of us in the industry knew robin and uh we believe this is actually we believe this to be robin's last interview and um his voice gives so much to this um to this documentary and really we dedicate it to him uh, for his lifelong, uh, you know, passion. And, uh, it's great that, uh, even though he's gone now, um, just once again, he's making an impact on the sport. So, uh, it's really, a really special thing to have Robin's voice, uh, and perspective on this since he was so, so close with the Bettenhausen's legendary journalist, Robin Miller, a part of the intro for the Bettenhausen, uh, documentary legends of racing available now on flow racing TV. And we're chatting on the profabrication.com hotline with senior producer of flow racing TV, Matthew Dillner. You got a lot of time in the edit bay, got things that you got to move and groove to make this happen. But uh, as you were watching and peeling back these layers of somewhat unever seen footage, what surprised you about uh, the Bettenhausens uh, in this making of the documentary? Just their dedication, uh, their absolute unrelenting dedication. You know, seeing footage of him, uh, Gary Bettenhausen, uh, just his face all pussy and uh, from being burnt, or seeing Merle Bettenhausen. Uh, you know, his story, his firsthand account of losing his arm in a crash at Michigan. And then how he, he thinks it 
made him blessed for the rest of his life. Um, just the unrelenting desire uh, was the big thing, you know, and, and that's something that was really cool because you talk about pushing the buttons. You know, I'm just a part of this team, just one piece of this team. And even Laura Andrew, who's uh, the editor and director of this, she's not a racing person, Lenny. And she became so emotionally attached and invested into the story because it's, I'm telling you, I'm not saying it as a sales pitch. It is absolutely a roller coaster, and it's a, it's a wonderful story of tragedy, triumph, but, but really it's determination, you know. And you've got more coming on Flow Racing TV? Yeah, man, this is going to be a docu-series, so it's not just one and done, man. Uh, you know, we'll be announcing uh, who some of the next ones are. They're already in in progress. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to be doing – we got a goal, a very aggressive goal of one film per month, whether it's uh, Legends of Racing, the new Dirt series that's coming out, or a one-off uh, film. Awesome. Um, got to leave know, it there. Gotta yeah, leave it, it there. Be great. Um, our friend and senior producer of Flow Racing TV, Matthew Dillner, the premiere of Legends of Racing happened this week. Go to Flow Racing TV, get your subscription, and you'll have emotions from goosebumps to tears with the Bettenhouse family. <laughs> Matthew, thanks for joining us. Fans, stay with us. We'll be right back with more of Listeners, we need to take a break and get a word from one of our marketing partners. We'll be back after these messages. Every day when they open the doors at Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, their goal is to provide great customer service by offering affordable automotive and truck repair service performed by highly trained technicians at the highest industry standard. By implementing the latest diagnostic equipment and computerized repair manuals, you can rest assured that your vehicle will be repaired to factory specifications for your specific car or truck. At Zarin Truck and Automotive, they believe in honest repairs and will demonstrate that fully by explaining the repair or service you are receiving and they'll give you an estimate or quote before work is performed. When you choose Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, you are choosing professional automotive repair and maintenance performed by expert automotive technicians. That's Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights. All right, fans, joining us now is Brian Hutchko. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, Don. How about yourself? Good. I have to share, before we went on the air, I have to share something you told me. I've been doing interviews for a long time, and I called Brian, and we had a, a roughly a time set aside sometime after 6, and he said, uh, Don, can you call me back? I'm putting a cow in the freezer. <laughs> so, okay, I'll call you back. Now, let's fill in the story about a couple of your sponsors, Brad and Trish Noss. What's the story there? Uh, Brad and Trish, uh, I used to work with Brad down at Neville Recycling. He was the loader operator, and I was the truck driver. And then uh, he did tractor pulling, and we got to be good friends that way. And then uh, he started running the farm full-time as a third-generation farmer, him, his wife, and his son, and the rest of the family. And uh, last year, they came on board to sponsor us and continue to sponsor us. We're really grateful for that. And uh, they just called me uh, today and said, hey, your cow came in. I said, I'll be over after work and went and picked up my whole cow and got her in the freezer. That is a cool story. So a tip of the hat to uh, your two friends, the NOS folks. Uh, sounds like a good sponsorship, and you'll be eating pretty good for the whole year. 
Oh, yes, I'll be eating very well. I want to talk about, there's so many things I want to ask you about. Uh, I guess the first thing is, in the past, you've been helping with track prep at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. Are you still doing that? Uh, yes, for this year, I'm still going to be out there helping out the Miley's uh, the best that I can with uh, Brian Underwood and his dad and Ben Miley. He, he helps us with the track prep as well. And there's a few other people to pop in from time to time to help make the process easier. Uh, but for this year, I, I will be out there doing the best that I can for the Miley's and the rest of our competitors. How did that uh, come to be? Uh, that's an unusual situation for a driver, car owner, and then to help uh, help prepare the track for the uh, for the rest of the drivers. Uh, that came about whenever I stepped away from racing the Economy Mod, the Open E Mod. Uh, I was in a bad wreck up at Raceway 7 at the end of the season, and I rolled the car pretty well and totaled it, so I took a year off, and it was really bugging me not having a car, so my fix was going off the track, and I offered my help to the Miley's to try to occupy my time until I was able to get myself back in the seat and find another car to build. Yeah, awful nice, nice gesture on your part. Now, with you helping to prepare the track, does it give you any kind of an inclination of what the racing's going to be like on a Saturday? Uh, some, some people would say it, it does for, for me, but, I mean, it really doesn't. When you're out there from 8 in the morning until track time and then the stuff we do during the week on Wednesday, Thursday nights, I mean, it, it's so hard to predict out there. The biggest thing to take into consideration is the weather forecast, whether it's a cloudy day, an overcast day, the humidity. It plays such a factor on all racetracks, but especially Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, just because of the sheer size of it. I always enjoyed racing down there. Big, smooth, fast. Uh, one of my favorite places. Now, let me see if I got this right, this timeline. So from 8 to 5, you're prepping the track, and then you're going to race that night. How does the car get to the track? Uh, the car gets there with me bright and early on Saturday morning when we start out there. Okay. And I hurry up, pick it out first thing. As soon as we get there, I set it up and uh, get after it there. You're amazing. Speaking of amazing, your car at the World of Wheels. Wow. A lot of nice cars there. Very pretty. Um, the body on it, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Did Lucon do that? Uh, yeah, Kyle Lucon, he did the whole entire body on that, except for the interior. Uh, we purchased the car off of... Uh, Hamilton, Eric Hamilton Sr., and then we uh, went ahead, took it over to Kyle Lucon, had him throw a deck and uh, deck body nose, everything on it. Uh, Kyle and his father, Phil Lucon, they are second to none to anybody. I mean, they, they really take a lot of pride in what they do, and uh, if it ain't right, it don't leave there until it's right. If they mess the panel up, they don't sit there and try to ding you for it. Uh, Kyle, actually, the one panel, he started to put his uh, bead rolls in it, and, and it was just off just a touch and he took it upon himself to make another panel which i wasn't concerned about it because it was you could hardly see it but uh he he took it to heart and he went the, the mile to put a new panel on her to make sure it was done right because that's just who they are and how well they take care of their customers over there and that's why they're so popular and so busy now the uh the lettering on that and that was gorgeous who did the lettering uh, the lettering, the uh, design work was done by Tom Crow, Crow Designs, and then I deal with Quentin Wyatt over from Rapid Designs and Printing, 
Uh, he did the printing of it, and Quentin did the design work on it. It turned out very nice. I'm very pleased with it. Oh, it's beautiful. It is so pretty. Let's talk about the car specifically. What kind of chassis are you running? Uh, that is a 2019 Rocket XR1 that has been updated, and that's where we're going to start with that. It has a 604 crate motor in it from Eagle, and we're going to see if we can put the fire down and try to make something happen there. I'm not familiar with Eagle. Who's that? Uh, Frankie Snyder originally purchased that motor, and it's somewhere from down south. It's not too popular up here as far as I I'm concerned, but then again, I don't know because this is all new to me. I know there's Race 1, Ingram, and then I know there's Eagle further down south. Well, I, I couldn't much detail about it. Well, it's probably going to get a little more popular up here. I was looking down at the points, and uh, A.J. Poljack was first, you were second, and Nick Kachuba was third. Between the three of, three of you, you had 10 feature wins. That's pretty impressive. Then Cody Catellis had two, and Justin... Or Jordan Perkins had two. Uh, spread out a little bit between five drivers, but uh, definitely Poljack, Hutchko, and Kachuba were at the top of the list. Uh, and when you look at the, <clears throat> the point standings, there are some interesting uh, names. I thought it was nice. Tanya Charlier finishing fourth in the points. Frank McGill. Some of these are new faces, young people coming into the, the uh, sport, and that is so nice and so important. Yeah, it's most definitely important, and uh, it was nice to have uh, the, the competitors that we had and the friendship that we all have for each other. And then, uh, and also on another note, uh, my car, AJ Poljack, Cody Catellis, and uh, Jordan Perkins. We all have uh, our cars are done and updated and set up by uh, Anarchy Customs, Greg Beach. He's the one that did the setups on all of our cars, and the only other car was uh, Nick Kachuba. That was Jeff Bronischewski's old S&S car that was updated by Andrew Gordon, still out there. A lot of good things coming. Hey, fans, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Brian Hutchko, the driver of the number 60, uh, pro stock, and going to be a good year, I can just tell. Now, I understand that... uh, Shannon was helping you with the freezer deal there. Sounds like you got a pretty good girl there looking after things for you when you get tied up and when you're busy. Oh, yeah. I mean, my, my wife, she goes above and beyond for me. I mean, for taking care of things around the house when the race day's coming up or if we had a bad weekend and things are tough during the week, I mean, she's there to support me in any way possible and try to make things easier so I can stay focused on trying to put that thing in victory lane week after week. Now, some of the questions I ask you, I've asked you in the past, but we get new listeners on a regular basis. And uh, for the the people that haven't heard it before, how many years have you been racing? I have been racing since 2007 when I started in the uh, factory hobby stock division when you had to run on street tires. Come a long way since then. What do you like? the way up through You've come a long way since then. What What do you like best? Obviously, the camaraderie and the friendships and things like that and winning. But other than that, is there something else that you really enjoy about racing? 
I enjoy seeing the fans and, and the, the younger generation that are up in the stands and out in public that I get to see and meet. Uh, for an example, down at the World of Wheels Car Show, um, I wore my fire suit down there for all, all the days, and I had kids coming up to me like crazy, and I handed out over 1,800 pictures with autographs on them and took a bunch of pictures with the kids. And I think that is probably the most enjoyable thing that I have is interacting with the fans and, and the younger crowd that look up to us drivers and uh, hope that one day they could uh, be out there on the track with me here in the future. Brian, we're going to have to take a break. We'll be back with more and Brian Hutchko after these messages. Listeners, we need to take a break and get a word from one of our marketing partners. We'll be back after these messages. The offseason is here, but racing will return before you know it. Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway has been hard at work, setting the foundation for the 2023 racing season. Our schedule is now available, and it is full of many reasons to visit Dirt's Monster Half Mile this season. It all kicks off on Saturday, April 29th with our season opener and continues each Saturday night through the month of September. Major events include the highly anticipated Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series Pittsburgher, the Herb Scott Memorial, the Juke George Steel City Classic, the two-night Bill Hendred Memorial, the Ed Laboon Memorial, the Josh Lang Hobby Stock Invitational, the Sport Compact Shootout, and more. Our action event divisions return to stack each Saturday night with heart-pumping adrenaline, the Rush Late Models, the Penn Ohio Pro Stocks, Hobby Stocks, Open 4 Cylinders, and the Young Guns. Plus, appearances from 410 Wing Sprint Cars, Boss Wingless Sprint Cars, Rush Sportsman Modifieds, Rush Sprint Cars, and Thunder on the Dirt's Vintage Modifieds. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and purchase tickets now at ppms.com. All right, fans, we're back. We're talking to the driver of the number 60, Brian Hutchko. You know, uh, when you think about all the friends, and let's go back to the kids with the fire suit. Now, to a lot of people that maybe race with you, you're just a competitor that uh, works hard and, and wins races. But to those little kids, you're a hero. You're bigger than life. And you have no idea what kind of an impression you make on these kids. Hopefully they become fans, but you're their hero. That's got to make you feel really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was uh, a few kids that were down there at the car show that come to the track weekly. And, you know, it's always nice to have that younger generation or anyone in general that you know don't know outside of your circle and they come up to you and tell you how they're your fan and they want to buy your shirts and looking forward to the season coming with the uh, new Rush Crate Late model this year for us moving up. I mean, it's really it's really something, and it is the most enjoyable part, I think, that I could get get back out of it is giving back to the fans and, and stuff like that. When I was a teenager, my uncle took me to Claridge Speedway. That's way before your time. But... Uh, he let me sit in Dick Bailey's car. And for 60-plus years, Bailey and I remained friends just from that first impression of how significant it was that I got to sit in his car. So you have no idea what the future holds for some of these fans. And I guess maybe you took a little bit of heat from the other people. What, why are you wearing a fire suit around? Because if you're standing there in, in blue jeans and a sweatshirt, kids figures this is just somebody that's here with a car, you know. But you connect the dots between the suit and you, the car, the pictures, the autographs. 
That is a big hit as far as I'm concerned, and Pennsylvania Motor Speedway should be very happy about that. Tyler Harris put a lot of work into that car show. Most people figured, eh, four or five days, a lot of cars pulled in. It was real nice. But he had to been playing. I think when he first talked to me about doing this, it had to be four or five months ago. And the, and the phone calls and, and all of the, the work putting this together was a big, big deal. Yeah, that, that, that was a huge deal and a huge burden to take on. Uh, I mean, it, it's sad to say, you know, we lost Matt Miley. It was Matt Miley and, and Tyler that were trying to put this whole thing together for all of us and for the track. And it, it's a shame Matt wasn't here to see it. But, yeah, I mean, Tyler picked up the pieces and he ran with it and he was able to put everything in the right places and get it done. Also, uh, Melissa Daly, Joy Daly, her husband, I mean, they and Steve out there, the photographer, the things that they did and organized everything to make it what it was. And the fact that there was a lot of people that never knew that the Speedway existed until that car show. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the stands fill up this year to put on a good show for them and see where it takes Pennsylvania Motor Speedway here for the future. Steve Scarupa's photos are so realistic that when I see them, and one of your pictures will be on Facebook when we put up the information about the show, it feels like he could almost reach out and touch the car. He's amazing. He's, he's a photographic genius. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the things that he can do with a camera and the, the shots that he gets when no one's looking is is breathtaking at, at times i mean from the sunsets that he gets out there at the track to us working on the cars in the pits it, it's amazing the detail and the captions that he captures whenever we're we're out there at the speedway now obviously you want to win some more races you had a pretty good year got a couple wins other than that what would you consider if we're rolling around to the end of the season uh what would be some of your goals other than winning races uh, at the speedway uh, uh, my goal for this year is going to be hopefully not tear the car up, hopefully bring it home in one piece every night. And my goal is going to be to keep up in this new Rush Crate Late Division. Uh, with me moving up from the Penn Ohio Pro Stocks to this, uh, there's a lot less horsepower. Uh, there's more adjustability. Uh, learning the, the trades and the tools for that division is totally new to me. So my year, if I could finish fifth or better, it would be a win for me. Uh, and that's where I'm going to leave it right there. I'm hoping to go to a couple uh, Rush Series races there with Vicky, and hope that we could even try to make a race, and that would be be like winning the championship for us. I should clarify things for the listeners. I'm referring you referring to you as a pro stock driver, but that's because I'm reading last uh, year's point standings, and we want to reiterate now this will be your first year in a crate late model, and that's a really nice division. Uh, the, and there's so much talent there, and it's it's for people that would like to go racing, but super late model racing is that's maybe doesn't fit in the budget for a lot of people. But with the crate motor, and God bless Vicky for putting this together, the average guy can afford a motor. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent uh, a hefty amount of money last year on, on building a new motor, and for, for what I paid for that motor, I probably could have built, built or, or I should say bought, two crate motors easily for what I put into my Penn Ohio Pro Stock motor. What is the ballpark price for a crate motor? 
Uh, ballpark price, I believe, for a crate motor from Chevrolet, right out of the crate, I believe it's right around, I think it's eighty five hundred or ninety two hundred dollars from yeah. Chevrolet. Yeah, not so, bad. I mean, I, I'd, I'd imagine a fully dressed crate motor from someone like Race One or uh, Eagle or anyone like that. I, I I would have to say, from carburetor to oil pan, you're probably going to be around fifteen, eighteen grand. I'd imagine. I've never priced one yet, but that's where I think it would be. Well, that's a lot better than thirty or forty thousand, like the super guys are running. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I was at lunch today with my son. We were in Concord, North Carolina, and uh, we were having a bite to eat. And I hear two guys at the next table talking about crate late models. Now, they weren't talking about Pennsylvania, but I said, you guys are on the right page. And then I started teasing them. I said, uh, who do you like for Sunday's race? And they were uh, telling me some of the drivers that they like. And I opened up my jacket and I said, guys, that's the wrong answer because I had a Penske shirt on. And they started laughing. I said, but I have faith in Joey. He won it last year. I think he'll win it again this year. Uh, how about pit crew either at the track or at your garage? Who helps you out on the car? Uh, first and foremost, I mean, my wife, she's always there for me at, at the house here and at the track, taking down notes and stuff for me. Uh, my buddy's wife, Chelsea, and my other buddy's wife, uh, Jenna, and then... Uh, Chelsea's husband would be Carl, and Jenna's husband would be Zach, Zach and Jenna Hess. And then I got my buddy uh, Zach Forrester and Daryl Charlier. I mean, he's there for me in a pinch all the time. And then as far as at the track, it's my crew that shows up that weekend, depending upon if they can get a babysitter or not. Otherwise, I depend on uh, a lot of our fellow competitors that are pitted next to us because when we're not on the track, we're all a family trying to help each other stay on the track. Big if it wasn't for you, Go ahead. I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, big family. All right, how about yep. sponsors? Now, we, we mentioned the NOS folks. Who else is uh, involved with this team? Oh, man, I got to take a deep breath on this one. Take your time. Uh, we, we have always safe flag and traffic in control. Uh, they have locations in McDonald, PA, Newcastle, PA, and Brownsville, PA. And if you're looking for a flagging job with a family-owned business that is constantly growing in the area, look no further than always safe flagging trafficking and control. Uh, I have a familiar name that you may remember. is Sush's Automotive, located over in Hill Station. Uh, then we have Island Homestead Farms. That is Bud and Trish Nosh. If you're looking for any beef, pork, or chicken, uh, they home... Uh, grow everything there on the farm. Nothing is outsourced. All their grain products, everything. Uh, they also offer uh, catering services for big and small events, and everything comes from their farm for their services. Uh, Real Nuts Vodka, located over here in Oakdale, PA. Uh, they sell some of the smoothest vodka on the market. It's 100 proof. Uh, you can look them up on Facebook uh, for getting your at-home delivery service or shipped to you directly. It's real nuts vodka. Uh, Mousetrap Bar and Grill. Uh, they offer live entertainment on Saturday nights, live bands. Friday night is karaoke night, and jam night is on Thursday nights. Uh, another name you might be familiar with is Taylor Auto Body. Jeff Bronischewski over here in Oakdale, PA, for all your automotive collision needs. Uh, new sponsor this year for us would be Metro Contracting. Metro Contracting, they specialize in high-end bathrooms, kitchens, basements, and uh, 
garage building, house manufacturing. You can look them up online at metrocontracting.pro. Uh, another sponsor that's been with us for some time now would be Johnny's Landscaping, Johnny's Landscaping Service out of Imperial, PA. We have Imperial Heights, Kurt Habedale. He uh, supplies us with all of our racing needs. And if you need a code, don't if you need a tow, don't cuss, call us, Imperial Heights Garage. Um, Eric Hamilton, he uh, sold me this this wonderful car that I got here. Uh, he came on board with us for supports. And then we have Cherry Valley Restoration. That would be Zach Matisic. He specializes in restoring custom or old cars. Make them hundred percent original, or if you want to make a hot rod or a pro touring car, Zach has. Zach Matisic at Cherry Valley Restoration. And uh, who else I got here? Daryl Charlier, 3RK Entertainment Park. They have an indoor go-karting facility, state-of-the-art technology. They also offer a bar, restaurant down there now. And they also have axe throwing. And for the little kids, they have a full state-of-the-art arcading system there. Uh, if you have not been down to 3RK, it is something you need to check out for all your business uh, adventures and appointments you want to try to do, 3RK Entertainment. And Kyle Lucon for the body. And I think that is it for now. That's a pretty impressive list of sponsors. Two of the names you mentioned, like Stush, he was a good driver, but I think he could have done stand-up comedy. He was really funny. Always got a kick out of talking to him. And I'm still trying to adjust to Daryl Charlier having an establishment where you can drink and throw axes. Uh, but he said he... he he keeps a handle on that so that somebody that's maybe drank too much doesn't get to throw axes. I also got to thank uh, Tony Lucarini, Lucarini's Lube & Go mobile service. If you are on the run and you need to have maintenance done to your car, whether it be oil changes, air filter, light bulbs, or even tire rotations and brake jobs done, call Lucarini's Lube & Go service. It is a mobile service. They will come to your place of establishment, home, or business. I think you covered everything. I was going to ask you if you had any closing thoughts, but I think you got it all covered. Did we miss anything? I don't think so. Okay. That could be wrong. <laughs> Brian Hutchko moving up to the crate late models in that beautiful car number 60. Brian, thanks for being with us. I'm looking forward to the success for your new season. Yeah, so am I, Don. I'm looking forward to And uh, last but not least, I need to make sure to thank my wife for everything she does for me and uh, the money I spend and the time I spend on this car and this sport, something that I have a real big passion for, and I'm happy to be on this journey with her. That is perfect. Well, you have a good day, and I thank you again. Uh, you too, sir. Great talking to you, Don. Are you in need of financial planning or portfolio review? Rick Sabo of RPS Financial Solutions is an independent financial planner who has testified as an expert witness on insurance and investment fraud. He helps people who are concerned about their portfolio or with other financial matters. His services include investments, pension, and 401k rollovers, estate planning, life insurance, and long-term care alternatives. As a registered IRS tax preparer, he can assist retirees with the completion of property tax rebate forms and other government tax reduction programs at no charge. 
Mr. Sabo does not charge a fee to meet with potential clients for a fact find. His office is located at 5061 Route 8, Gibsonia, PA. If you are in need of any of the services that he provides, give him a call at 724-443-5720. That's 724-443-5720. Or email him at rick.sabo at jwcemail.com. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, member of FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated, neither J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated or J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, nor its representatives provide legal, tax preparation, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W.C.A. J.W.C. RPS Financial Solutions and J.W.C. J.W.C.A. are unaffiliated entities. Before we start Chuck Kennedy's interview, I want to clarify a couple things. Uh, he had some health problems, and sometimes he would get uh, a little bit emotional when he was talking. And so I tried to trick him. I said, Chuck, why don't we do a rehearsal of your interview, and then when we're finished, we'll do the real one. So when you listen to this, you're going to hear some things in there that maybe don't make sense, but we had a lot of fun, and he did a wonderful interview, and I think you're really going to like it. Chuck Kennedy is uh, one of racing's really nice guys. He's got a wonderful family, his wife Cheryl, his kids Andy, Clayton, and Brittany. But you know what? I'd like to talk about something that I find pretty funny. We have a friend called Banker Bob, and I understand that at one point in time years ago that he showed up at your house with Dick Pollard. Now, you got a lawyer and a banker, and neither one of them knows which end of the car uh, is which. How did you get hooked up with him? Well, Dick Pollard had an old Ford truck, and he was out getting parts from my Uncle Bob, who sold old Ford truck parts, and was, like, I think he owned every motor I ever had and every race car I ever had, <laughs> my uncle. Yeah. <laughs> and Dick Pollard was out here getting parts, and they were talking about Endoro, and uh, he asked if we'd build him a car, because he had a buddy that wanted to do it, and yeah. that's where Banker Bob falls in. So you're the one that gave him the nickname, Banker Bob. Yes. Yeah. I understand that uh, he wasn't real successful in the Enduros. Tell me the story. I think you told him to paint something on the underside of the hood. What was that story about? Okay, well, the, uh, one of the old uh, old guys in our town here had a Pontiac Le Mans. It was white with a red vinyl top. Of course, they didn't like that, so they wanted to paint it. So they decided to paint the thing orange, which was fine. And they were all done. Bob was all done painting it, and he says, I'm all done. And Brian Leonberg, who uh, was my, I call him a crew chief then, he that worked on my car, who eventually retired from racing with Clint Boyer, um, he, he said, you're not done, Bob. And he says, why am I not done? He said, you have to open the hood and paint the edges of the hood. And he says, why do I have to paint the edges of the hood? And Brian said to him, because when you stuff it and the hood's bent up in a V, it'll look good. The paint will all match. 
<laughs> I guess he stuffed a couple of them. Huh? Oh my, yeah. You had- first, the first enduro that he was out in, uh, he came in and he says, "Oh my gosh!" He said, "You got to turn the heater off. It's so hot in here." He said, it is just unbearable. <laughs> and we all busted out laughing. And there's no dashboard in this car at all. Yeah. No heater, <laughs> no nothing. I said, Bob, that's as cool as it's going to get. You're going to have to keep going. <laughs> you, got, you got a banker and a lawyer that don't know anything about cars. What a combination that is. Well, you mentioned uh, uh, Bob Kennedy, your uncle. How did he get the nickname Clutch? Back in the CB days. What's- um. Dave Malloy, Larry Walters, all those guys were sea beers. Oh, and, okay. And Uncle Bob at one time in one of his race cars, uh, the clutch exploded and come up and went through the back of the hood and the whole nine yards. And when he got in the CB thing, they just immediately started calling him clutch. Clutch. That, uh, that well, nickname lasted a long time. Jeez. Yeah, forever. <laughs> well, is is he the reason you got into racing? I mean, he was a neighbor. I mean, geez, how could you avoid that? Who, who my uncle Bob? Yeah. Oh, uh, he he. Uh, my dad sold new Fords. Okay. And Uncle Bob worked at the Ford garage. Makes then, sense. Yeah. Then Uncle Bob went in business for himself, and then he began. He well, he actually started racing before he went in business for himself. But it was cool because I'd get to go up to Uncle Bob's garage, and when I was very little, uh, you know, like six, seven years old, yeah, and go up and paint the bumpers or paint the roll bar or do something. They'd always let find something for me to do, yeah. And I just got, I just really got into it, and um, uh, he was everything. My Uncle Bob. A great guy. Well, uh, from then up until now, uh, early start in racing, and you're still doing it as, as a car owner, uh, approximately how many years would you say you've been involved in this crazy sport? Well, I think I started in 1978. So I'm looking at 43 years, maybe, or 40-something. Yeah. That's a long time to be addicted, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I quit one summer. How did that work? Well, I sold my old, my race car, which was a Semolate, and I stayed around home. I paved the driveway. We put a swimming pool in, and we had Brittany. And I told Cheryl, I said, racing's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the rewards were there. Yeah. Oh, fantastic rewards. Oh, Brittany's she's <laughs> such a sweetheart. Well, okay, so you, I know you, you did the stocks, did the modifieds, you did the late models, but before you got up with Osmer, you were driving for Charlie Beam on the asphalt. How did that happen? Well, um, I was driving for Schaefe, uh Bob Schaefnocker in the Thunderbird. Okay. And his oldest son, Bobby, always wanted to drive. And Charlie Beam was getting a new asphalt car, and Frank Cora actually set that whole deal up for me to meet Charlie and drive Charlie's car. That was all Frank Cora's doing, and that also opened the door for Bobby Schaefnocker 
to race his dad's car, which he always wanted to do. So it was a it was a great deal for everybody. Well, I remember back in the day that Cora was driving for Charlie. Uh, how did that transition take place? You know, I I don't really know how that all happened. How Frank ended up driving for Charlie Beam, I I don't know. But I do know that the second race car I had, um, I found out later on that Charlie Beam ran owned that car, and Frank Cora drove it at North Hills. It was a number twenty four convertible. Right, I remember that. Yeah. Well, the the car, my Matco tool car, and uh, which was a '64 Chevelle, I won my first feature in at the Butler Fairgrounds on Fair Night, and I also won my first asphalt feature in a car that Charlie Beam built. That is amazing. You know, I, I remember, well, I've seen you on all the dirt races, but I actually had the opportunity to see you on the asphalt. You had uh, kind of a bad uh, crash there one time, and fortunately it all worked out. But uh, your uh, resume is so uh, widespread. That I think there's any, uh, you could probably drive, drive anything. Did you ever think about maybe getting in a sprint car? Um, I'm not allowed to get in a sprint car. A wise decision. Yeah. My wife said if I get in a sprint car, that uh, uh, it's over. Yeah, <laughs> get in a sprint car and then get an attorney, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. and back a few years back, when I was driving Art Osmer's car, um, Nick from Nick Chevrolet, Nick Jr., Yeah, he kept stopping at the car lot when he was coming from the auction or whatever, and he would be telling Cheryl that he's getting a sprint car, and I'm going to be the driver and all this, all these. He, I mean, he had her going for weeks. <laughs> he was almost, he almost had it set up for Ed Lynch to wear my driving suit top and my helmet. Oh, geez. In fast laps just to keep the pot stirred. Yeah. And uh, he was at the car lot on a Friday, <clears throat> and it was really quite funny because... He really was on Cheryl about the sprint car deal. And when I came home at supper time to get ready to go to the races, uh, all my stuff was in suitcases sitting on the back porch. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so when I went to Lernerville, I said to Nick, I said, you got to knock it off. I said, my suitcases were sitting on the porch. I said, this is no good. <laughs> no, not going to end well. Jeez. No. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, one of the things that, you know, from time to time I'm, I'm curious about, other than your son, do you have a favorite driver, somebody you raced against that you really like? Um, I really, really have two favorite okay. drivers that I raced against. Yeah. One was Tom Valisak. Nice fellow. Back yeah. in the street stock days at Lernerville. Yeah. We really, we, we, we were still friends. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we really had a lot of fun. And then, of course, Jeff Taylor. Another good one, yes. Listeners, we need to take a break and get a word from one of our marketing partners. We'll be back after these messages. 
At alternative power sources, they have always understood that your generator needs are never one size fits all. They are still the local generator company you have come to know and trust. But with expanded resources and expertise as a subsidiary of Curtis Power Solutions Company, part of the Indel Power Group. As a Curtis Power Solutions Company, they offer quality brands such as MTU, Kohler, Southeastern Power Products, and Yamaha Generators. They bring more experience for working on complex projects such as engineering and design services for data centers and healthcare facilities. At the same time, they continue to service all brands of standby generators. Also, don't forget to ask about their rentals for your next event or power emergency. If you have a project, Alternative Power Sources has a solution. Contact them today at 1-800-894-4455. That's 1-800-894-4455. Yeah. I used to tease Jeff. There was a time a challenger when it seemed like he won every week. I said, why do you stop to get your picture taken? It's the same picture. So the next time he won, he laid on a hood like a Playboy bunny would do. (laughs) He said, I'll fix Gamble. I'll give him a picture. It's not the same. Uh, How about the toughest competitor that you ran against? Who would that be? Well, I, I want to say I had two of them, too. All right. <laughs> um, and it's probably because uh, the toughest competitor was um, Charlie Cragen on the asphalt. Yeah. Um, that was the, the toughest. He was so good and so, so consistent. It was very, very hard uh, to beat him. And I did beat him one time. It had to be special. Uh, in a really good in a really good race, I beat him by six inches, and I got to pass him twice because they had a yellow. I passed him, then the yellow came out, and I got to pass him again, and uh, that was an unbelievable night for me. I mean, I had won five features or so, but I mean, he was actually leading the race, and I passed him. And who was the other one? Um, yeah, Jim Dandy. Yeah. yeah. You know he's. You know, in the EMOD days, he was he was he was the guy. I mean, if yeah. he was there, you pretty much running for second. I mean, he one time he he won a late model feature at Challenger, and I was interviewing him. And I said, "How do you feel?" He said, "I can't believe it." He said, "We had the wrong tires. We had the the right tire was on the left, and the left tire was on the right." And I don't know how we ran so good. And they're interviewing him because all these high-dollar uh, late models were there with the big money motors. And I said, uh, who does your motors? He said, yeah, me and Daryl, we work on it at the bench, and then we get it done, we put it in. And I just, I, I couldn't believe it. But mm-hmm. here's a Charlie Cragen story you'll like. Okay, <clears throat> do you know what a CPAP is? Yeah. Okay, I had to go in and get a new one. So I'm talking to the guy, and uh, he lived near Kannapolis, and it started the whole conversation when I said to him, do you know who the most famous person from Kannapolis ever was? He said, Dale 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 Earnhardt. I said, oh, well, then open things up. I come to find out in the discussion, I mean, we spent a half hour fixing getting my CPAP and uh, almost an hour and a half talking racing. He said... I'm originally from Johnstown. 
I said, you're kidding. He said, no, I used to go to Jennerstown on the dirt all the time. I said, well, did you have a, a favorite driver? And now we're in Concord, North Carolina. He said, my favorite driver was Charlie Cragen. Well, this guy's name's Jay. We bonded. I mean, we we went down memory lane a couple of times, and he introduces me to one of his employees. Said this guy used to go to Wimber and Bedford. I said he, he got all of Johnstown and the surrounding area down here working. But uh, that was pretty pretty cute. Mm-hmm. Goals in racing, you've probably accomplished anything you could ever want. You're in the Hall of Fame, multi-time champion at Lernerville. As a matter of fact, you and Valisac were champions about the same time. Any other championships that uh, I'm not aware of? Uh, I won the York Championship, that traveling series with the E-Mods. Yeah. And I won Challengers Championship in the E-Mod. Okay. Um, I... I'm pretty sure that I won sportsman's points once at Knox. Yeah. Um, and it's so hard because nobody really kept really good records of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and we didn't either, but I'm pretty sure I did uh, at sportsman. Well, we're going um, to go with that. If somebody doesn't believe it, then they can give me a call. I have a story you told me one time that uh, you and Clayton were racing the E-Mods, and he got down on the inside, and he splashed a lot of mud up on the car. <laughs> Your comment was, that jerk's going to wash this wheel. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Back, yep. I do remember that well. But back, he, he did most of the washing anyway. <laughs> yeah. Back to banker Bob. He has a habit of telling really long stories. So I would give it a name. When he's starting to tell me a story, I said, nah, is this going to be the Chuck Kennedy version, or can you cut it down to a minute or two? And, and that's like an ongoing joke when he's telling a really long story. It's a Chuck Kennedy story. Got nothing to do with you, but that's what we called it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about yep. you had a lot of people help you in racing? Uh, you know, you're... Obviously, your boys, and I think his name was Pants. Is that Leon Berger? Yeah, that's Bobby Leonberg. How, how did he get yep. that name, Pants? I mean, skinny. It's wonder he could hold his pants up, but is that well? A- he's well, he's all pants. Yeah, he's, he's got really long legs, and he's short on the top part. <laughs> so he's all pants. So yeah. that's how he got that. Over the years, uh, Austin's A one was. I think it was on Irvine's cars. It was on all of your cars. Uh, other than them, who would you think would be maybe one of your most significant sponsors over the years? Well, you know, uh, I would be wrong in saying that not that every single one of them was important the whole time through. Yeah. Um, but uh, honestly, the silent sponsor. I had, which was um, my uncle Bob. He was quite a guy. I always enjoyed. He would be telling me stories about just anything and everything in racing, and he'd leave me laughing. It'd take me a while to get my composure back, but quite a guy. Now, with him being a Ford man, what happened when he was racing Chevys? Well, um, I always say today he'd be excited 
with all the Ford motors out there now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was a Ford guy. My dad sold new Fords, like I said, and he was a Ford guy. Uh, but it just so happened, you know, the, the Chevy stuff was so much more available that when we started, you know, that's what we, that's what we ran. Yeah. And then when, when, uh, we got Schaefnocker stuff, uh, you know, we ran the 427s and 390s and that stuff. And then, uh, Tom Kennedy came along, uh, cause he heard there was guys out there running a Ford. And then he came along and started building our, building our small blocks, mm-hmm. which were really good engines. And Tom still does our engines. Now, did you ever have any dealings with his dad, Tom Kennedy Sr.? Um, as a machine shop guy, no. Yeah. But we've been to lunch a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Tom and me and his dad. Yeah. And um, Keith and a couple other guys. Um, it's a hoagie shop. I can't think of the name of it. It's down by South Park Speedway. It's oh, jeez. Where South Park was. Yeah. And I, I just can't think of the name of it right now. But we've been to lunch there a couple of times. And the ride down and the ride back and talking, telling the stories. And, oh, my gosh, what a what a wonderful day it was. You, you could probably write a book. You know, when they first brought the late models into the PRA, uh, Tom had a, uh, about a, I don't know, 72 Ford that uh, Herb Scott was driving, car number four. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Unbelievable. Listeners, we need to take a break and get a word from one of our marketing partners. We'll be back after these messages. Every day when they open the doors at Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, their goal is to provide great customer service by offering affordable automotive and truck repair service performed by highly trained technicians at the highest industry standard. By implementing the latest diagnostic equipment and computerized repair manuals, you can rest assured that your vehicle will be repaired to factory specifications for your specific car or truck. At Zarin Truck and Automotive, they believe in honest repairs and will demonstrate that fully by explaining the repair or service you are receiving and they'll give you an estimate or quote before work is performed. When you choose Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, you are choosing professional automotive repair and maintenance performed by expert automotive technicians. That's Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights. Write a book. You know, when they first brought the late models into the PRA, uh, Tom had a uh, about a Ford that uh, Herb Scott was driving, car number four. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, um, Chuck, uh, we're coming up on a commercial. Do you have any closing thoughts? Well, without a shadow of a doubt, um, you can't do this. And it's really hard for me to say without your family and without the support of your wife. Man, she's everything to me and always has been. She's an amazing lady, and you're a very lucky man. Without a doubt. Yeah. Can we uh, elaborate on, now you had some health problems, and she was there through thick and thin, but I guess recently you were in the shop, and you cut your hand, and it was pretty bad. 
And I think Clayton came in and said, uh, Dad's hurt, but he doesn't want to come in the house. Can you <laughs> fill in the blanks on that story? Yeah, it was out in the garage and uh, helping Brittany make a uh, a busy board for her kids at daycare. You know, it had like a door knocker and springs for that keep the door from banging and uh, a bell and and I was putting this all on a piece of plywood and I don't have all my strength back yet from being sick and usually I would just cut an 832 screw off with a pair of side cutters yeah but don't have the strength so I put it in the vise and I used the whiz wheel to cut the screw off and when the screw fell on the floor I looked down cuz it was the part I needed when I looked down, I touched the top of my other hand with the whiz wheel Ooh. and uh, cut the top of my left hand and uh, cut through a couple of partway through a couple of tendons in my index finger and uh, made a bloody mess there pretty quick. And you were afraid to go in the house. <laughs> well, Clayton, Clayton had just came and uh, he said, well, Dad, you need to go in the house. I said, uh, I'm not going in the house yet. <laughs> I said I was standing there with a napkin or a paper towel on it, and he said, "Well, Dad, you know you're going." I said, "I'm not going in the house yet." I said, "I need a few minutes to, and then I'll, then I'll go in." He said, "Well, he said I'll just go in and see what Mom's up to, and go from there." And I said, "Okay." So he comes in and he says to Cheryl, "What are you, what are you up to?" And she says, "Well, she said I've been trying to peel wallpaper off the wall in the bedroom." She said, "But I can't get." more than 10 minutes at a time to work on it. And he said, well, don't start on it now. <laughs> and she said, why? What's the matter? And she, he said, Dad cut his hand. And she just immediately went to the bathroom and got gauze and Band-Aids and all the stuff you need to patch me up. And like always, she's right there and patched me up. Unbelievable lady. Very, uh, very special. Oh, without a doubt. Well, what do you think? Do you think uh, we could uh, do an interview? I don't know. I think we just did one. <laughs> we did, and I was lying to you. I was taping the whole thing because <laughs> the, Cheryl said you might get emotional and that she wasn't sure you would be comfortable doing this. So this is the Paul Fess factor because when Billy Rebar wanted me to interview Paul Fess, he said, this man will not talk to you. So I said, hey, Paul, let's just have a conversation. And we did. And when it was done, he said, when are you going to interview? <laughs> I said, it's over. He said, you SOB. <laughs> but, but we got it. And so now the uh, Chuck Kenny thing. And how long do you think we talked? Uh, uh, 20 minutes, maybe. 26 minutes. This mm -hmm. is going to be classic stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of funny. I had a real nice picture of you by your car, and I had sent it to get approval from, uh, you know, Cheryl and Brittany. But she found one she liked better. So I said, which one do you like best? And it's a, it's a headshot of Chuck Kennedy. And uh, so that's what we're going to use. So when I uh, upload the show, uh, your picture will be up there with uh, Drake Trotman, and I'm trying to think who else is going to be on the show. Uh, it's uh, pretty nice. Oh, uh, uh, Hutchko from down Pittsburgh is going to be oh, on okay. there. Yep. And then a guy named Bernard, he's a uh, pure stalker, 
street stock, whatever they're calling them, he's going to be on. And uh, then the fellow that's in charge of uh, flow racing, uh, Matthew Dillner, is going to be on. So mm. we'll have some serious guests on there. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, you can tell uh, Cheryl that uh, you uh, got the checkered flag and it was an outstanding interview. Well, thanks, Don. It always is easy to talk to you. It always has been. Well, and uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. Well, it's a labor of love, and uh, you know, here's another thing. It's, it seems like every racer has his own web web page now, Facebook page, web page, and now a lot of them are doing podcasts, and I I applaud them for doing that. The only difference is their podcast is about their team. Mine is about everybody. I mean, the guy from Flow Racing, you know, retired driver, not car owner, Hall of Fame, yourself, Hutchko, who's moving up to the late models. It's just, I want to get as many people as humanly possible on the shows. Now, in the winter, uh, theoretically, we're not doing them uh, every week, and we're not doing them on Monday nights anymore. This will probably end up on a Wednesday or a Thursday, because what I found out when I was doing a three-hour show, I would put, I would have a driver on, say he's going to be on at a quarter to seven, and he would email all his friends, I'll be on a, a wrapping on racing at a quarter to seven. So basically telling them, you don't need to listen to anything except me. And I'm thinking, three hours? That's a lot of time. So what I do now, maybe an hour, an hour and a half, and I'll get three or four important guests on there, and I just focus on that. And instead of playing it on Monday night, which was a deadline for guys that were, were at tracks on Sunday night, I just play it when it's ready. And people really like that. It's just, it's so cool. Like, I had a lady one time, she emailed me, we were talking. She said, I never listen to the show on Monday night live on Monday night. I said, well, why is that? She said, well, uh, when dinner's done, the husband's asleep on the couch, the kids are in their room, the dog's here with me, I'm cleaning things up. I listen to the first hour at 9 o'clock. Oh, that's nice. Well, do you listen to the second hour? Yeah, Tuesday night, 9 o'clock. And it worked perfect for her. And then we find that when people, you can actually hear rapping on racing on Apple TV. It's one of their podcasts. So what, what she started doing after that, she'd have a TV in the kitchen and a TV in uh, the living room. So when she was walking back and forth, she didn't miss anything. And then the, <laughs> the people that can hear it on their phone, a lot of them will listen to it on their way to work. I mean, Eric Westendorf from Lernerville told me, he said, this was when he was driving uh, about an hour to get to work. He said, I'll listen to the first hour on the way to work. Listen to the second hour on the way home. The technology today, and, and all of the drivers are benefiting from this because they have so many ways to get their story out, to get their sponsors covered. And, you know, my biggest gripe with a lot of them, and I just kept hammering at it, is when a driver would say, I want to thank my sponsors. They know who they are. Well, for God's sakes, why don't you tell everybody else who they are? And Hutchko took my advice. And what he has, he has a little list. Uh, it's on the uh, passenger side of the car on the roof and on the trunk. So when he's in Victory Lane, he sees all his sponsors. That's a pretty smart guy. Mm -hmm. 
and and to do this, and you've had sponsors over the years for a long time. Do you think Lynn Geisler's had the same sponsor for thirty-seven or thirty-eight years because he wasn't paying attention? Yeah, for sure yeah. not. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I yeah. thank you. This. Listeners, we need to take a break and get a word from one of our marketing partners. We'll be back after these messages. The offseason is here, but racing will return before you know it. Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway has been hard at work, setting the foundation for the 2023 racing season. Our schedule is now available, and it is full of many reasons to visit Dirt's Monster Half Mile this season. It all kicks off on Saturday, April 29th with our season opener and continues each Saturday night through the month of September. Major events include the highly anticipated Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series Pittsburgher, the Herb Scott Memorial, the Juke George Steel City Classic, the two-night Bill Hendred Memorial, the Ed Laboon Memorial, the Josh Lang hobby stock invitational the sport compact shootout and more our action event divisions return to stack each saturday night with heart pumping adrenaline the rush late models the penn ohio pro stocks hobby stocks open four cylinders and the young guns plus appearances from 410 wing sprint cars boss wingless sprint cars rush sportsman modifieds rush sprint cars and thunder on the dirts vintage modifieds be sure to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and purchase tickets now at ppms.com Ladies and gentlemen, joining me here on Rapid on Racing is a hobby stock driver from Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. He is Matt Bernard. Matt, welcome to Rapid on Racing. Thanks for your time this evening. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem at all. Happy to have you on here. Tell you what, it's been really fun watching you over these past few years. You know, I started coming to the racetrack in 2020, and uh, you were just kind of cutting your teeth. And then 2021, a good upcoming season, 2022, a brilliant season. And it seems like to me that you've really gotten the hang of this racing thing. So we'll talk to you a lot more about your career here. But first, before we get started into the now, let's go ahead and start into where it all started in the first first place so tell me how you got into racing well we always me and my dad used to go to races and stuff and like my dad used to do demolition derby so i was always around race cars and i always wanted to do racing at some point and my mom didn't really want me to do that so i ended up we would go to the racetrack a lot and we ended up finding a deal on a car and we started from there i started with a bone stock engine and we just worked our way up with everything we have now so racing never really was in the forte besides demos until so what led to that decision so obviously the natural route at that point is your dad has this uh pretty much investment into demolition derbies but where does the decision come to go to racing rather than demolitions well i came along and that's when demolition went away and then i got older and me and my dad wanted to get a hobby and we started when I was young, we started with um, RC cars, and we would race RC cars. And um, then our track closed down. The owner passed away, and the track closed down. So we got away from that, and then we wanted to find a new hobby, and that's when we started going back to the track again. And, and um, that's when we got back into it, into the racing. And my, We were actually at a race. My dad looked at me, and he goes, so you ready to drive a car yet? And I said, I'm ready. <laughs> and then that's when we ended up getting one. Do you have any connections that you made from racing RC cars to maybe racing now? Not really. Not not through RC cars. That was like a whole different thing. Nobody was really into racing when it came to that. But we ended up, one of our co-workers was a race car driver. He had my first car is actually who we bought it off of was my co-worker. 
and um, he was kind of getting annoyed with the car, so he ended up putting up for sale, and that's how I ended up getting my first car. But so, how old were you when that happened? Um, well, let's see. I've been racing. This would be my fifth year, I think. So, I think I was fourteen when I first got the car. And that was the hobby stock that you currently own now. Uh, no, this is my second car. Okay. My first car ended up getting wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> so 14 years old, jump right into a hobby stock. Typically the, the trans, the transition there is go-karts or, uh, in the instance of Pittsburgh, it's young guns or something along those lines, but you just jump right into a full size rear wheel drive Monte Carlo. <laughs> yeah, I was ready to drive. And, um, like me and my dad, my dad doesn't like the four cylinder stuff. He's like, if you're going to drive a race car, it's got to be a V8 and it has to be rear wheel drive. So that's what we ended up getting. And that was the easiest and cost effective class that we could get into. And I like it because I like older cars. It looks better. I think it's more interesting watching them go around. Yeah, there certainly is a, an attraction to that classic Monte Carlo body style. They can identify that with a race car any day of the week, which is which is interesting because you see the diverse amount of race cars nowadays. But that for some reason that classic Monte Carlo is what sticks out to a lot of people. So I can I can see where you get that point from. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just different. I mean, I would love to race a higher up class, but it's just something about the Monte Carlos that I can't get away from. <laughs> so you mentioned that first car. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. it buying off of a coworker. Who was that coworker? Uh, John Doughton. Okay. So did he used to run at Pittsburgh or where? Yeah, was he, he raced at Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, he raced at Pittsburgh. So how long did you have that first car for? Two years. I think I had it for two years. Yeah. And, and what was the deciding, what was the, what was the unfortunate incident that brought that car's life to an end? Well, we were coming around turn one and two, and I ended up, I hit, we ended up spinning some reason, and I was sitting on the track waiting for the yellow to come out, and another car came and T-boned me right in the driver's side, and it shifted my seat on top of the shifter. (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah, that's a bad wreck. That's a bad, and and how older were you at at this point? What, 16? 15? Yeah, I'd say so, Yeah. Goodness gracious. So yeah. as if your mother wasn't worried enough as it was, <laughs> she probably was yeah. she at the track that night. Did she see that all happen? No, my mom wasn't at the track that night. Well, that's probably <laughs> for the better. <laughs> yeah. She wasn't happy when she seen it the next morning on a trailer. <laughs> How'd you feel the next morning? Oh, it was rough. It hurt a little bit. I ain't gonna lie. How long did but. it take you to get back uh, behind the wheel? Oh, I was ready to build another car the next night. We ended up going and looking one. How long did Danny take- Rich? Okay, here, uh, we go. We, here we go. Danny Rich, Danny Rich, came up to us that night and said, "I got a chassis sitting in the weeds. Come look at it and tell me what you think." And we ended up going up there and looking at it. And I paid five hundred dollars for that chassis, and we built it from the ground up, basically. And that's the car I have right now. Okay. How long, roughly, did that take you guys to to get from we, air chassis to we, completion? Well, we actually built that car in three nights. In that same time we built that car, I lost my grandfather in that mm. same week. So that was a real rough week for us. And we ended up making on the racetrack on Saturday night. We started on Wednesday and worked every night until we were working on it Saturday until 5 o'clock. And we were loading up at 5 o'clock, making it to the racetrack. And it was funny because when I first went out 
on the racetrack. I had no power steering, and my ball joints were about to fall out of the car because we didn't have time to check all that. <laughs> yeah. And then we, I, came, I came back in the pits, and then we come to find out that it wasn't the power steering. The heim joints, from sitting so long in the weeds, they needed to be lubed up. <laughs> my arms were burning so bad. It was crazy. My gosh, that, there's that appreciation again for those '80s styles race cars. It, like, those are the yeah. things, like you know, just sitting in the weeds. You wouldn't think about like you won't, you will never have that problem in a rush late model or a sprint car, respectively. But uh, yeah. those are the things you're going to encounter in that division. So that's that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You talk about guys that get you, you know, get you help get you your start. Danny Rich, you, you talk about a wily mm-hmm. veteran, a guy that's been around the block a few times, especially at Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, to have a mm-hmm. to guy have a guy like that at your disposal too to to pick his brain, that's got to be pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice having those guys to help us out. I mean, like when I first started, Carly actually came over at the first week and talked to me, which was pretty cool because I never talked to another race driver really before, other than John which he wasn't really that much into it. Like, he was into it, but he didn't really have the time, and he wasn't at the track every week. So it was nice to have someone come up to us and then invite us over to their corner and help us to get along. Like Danny Rich, Joe Anthony, Jake Simmons. Jake Simmons still helps me on my car nowadays. Like, it's crazy because when I first met Jake, he goes – the first thing he said to me is, you drive too much like me. <laughs> that was the first thing he said to me. And what is that like for those who don't know? Like, we're just, we let it all out. We had no fear, basically. So it's wide open all the time. As soon as that helmet goes on, it's like a switch flips in the head. Listeners, we need to take a break and get a word from one of our marketing partners. We'll be back after these messages. Are you in need of financial planning or portfolio review? Rick Sabo of RPS Financial Solutions is an independent financial planner who has testified as an expert witness on insurance and investment fraud. He helps people who are concerned about their portfolio or with other financial matters. His services include investments, pension, and 401k rollovers, estate planning, life insurance, and long-term care alternatives. As a registered IRS tax preparer, he can assist retirees with the completion of property tax rebate forms and other government tax reduction programs at no charge. Mr. Sabo does not charge a fee to meet with potential clients for a fact find. His office is located at 5061 Route 8, Gibsonia, PA. If you are in need of any of the services that he provides, Give him a call at 724-443-5720. That's 724-443-5720. Or email him at rick.sabo at jwcemail.com. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, member of FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated, neither J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated or J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, nor its representatives provide legal, tax preparation, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W.C.A. J.W.C. RPS Financial Solutions and J.W.C. J.W.C.A. are unaffiliated entities. 
So talk to me about what your progress from your standpoint has been through those early stages. You know, you get past those first couple of years with that first car and now you're mm-hmm. on to the second car. And it seems like to me, since the adaptation of that second car, that you've really come long ways and you've, you've started making leaps and bounds process strides to getting yourself up into the top five contention on a, on a consistent basis. Do you feel that that's pretty much where you're at at this point? We're trying to be there. We're, I still think we need to push a little bit harder, but as a team, we're working as hard as we can. And um, it's just, you know, it all comes down to who wants to work more. Who wants, who wants it more, basically, is what it is. And we're trying as hard as we can, and it's cutting it close, but we're getting there. We're trying. In what ways do you think that you need to work harder? I don't know. I need to get better as a driver, learn how to be smoother under the wheel, um, work harder in the garage, like check the car over more, um, do better prep, um, just just focus on different things, pay more attention, I don't know, be more, I don't know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> really. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of it is time, right? I think that a lot of people who you talk to, one of the separations oftentimes is the amount of time that they're just putting into it, period. You know, yeah. whatever, whether it's uh, on a weekly basis or a daily basis where you're mm-hmm. going into the shop three, four, five hours a night just to nut and bolt everything, make sure everything's good and, and, and put the car on scale, see where you're at and mm-hmm. um, making adjustments here and there. But then there's also that balance of trying to make it so you're not overdoing everything and not overthinking everything and, and over speculating mm-hmm. what needs to be done to a car, whether it's prior to a week, prior to a race, whatever it may be. Has, have you come across any of that? in your trials and tribulations over the past couple of years? Yeah, we definitely have. Like we've, me and my dad will go back and forwards on trying different things and doing different things to the car. And then we'll always go back to putting it back to how it was because we just didn't like it or I didn't like the feel of it, but my dad thought it was working. You know, it's just back and forwards. But I think, we've finally found a neutral point where we're really good. I just need to tweak a little bit from there, basically. So what's it like for you at home? Is it, do you have a garage that you can work on the car in or or are you one of those guys that's got to work outside and work out in the elements? I work under my, I have like a back patio we work on. We put the car on the back patio. Um, We just recently, like I had an awning under there and then just recently I bought wood and we put a box in for it right now. And I temporarily got a tarp hanging over it. I still got to extend it a little bit more. And then we're going to put a garage there. And that's going to be our workspace for now. But before, when I first started, we'd do it out in the driveway. I mean, right in the driveway, be working on the car. And that's where the car would sit and everything. I think it's... Don't really have anywhere to put it. (laughs) Like, I have a car garage, but it's so small, you can only fit, like, a lawn tractor in there. So, it, it sucks, but... Trying to make do with what we have. And that's the beauty of grassroots racing. You got these guys that have that luxury of having a nice garage and having the ability to work within it. But also you have to adapt if you just don't have it. But that drive and that passion is really what's what's the beauty in in, in this sport is you got guys that don't really necessarily have the means or have the luxury of some others. But nonetheless, they still show up to this track and they still contend with them on a on a weekly basis, such as yourself. You know, you don't got this beautiful garage that you can work in. However, you do have the drive and determination to make it happen in, in 
the results this year from 2022, top five in points, it's not too shabby. No. I wish we would have been – I wish we could have stayed up and wouldn't have had those failures we had, but it is what it is. It's still – I'm happy with top five. I don't – me personally, I don't go out for a top five. If we put the car on the trailer every night, I'm happy. If nothing goes wrong, it's a good night, I'm happy. So 2022, I wanted to jump back to it. Here we are. Uh, what a year. What a year. You have to be thrilled about it. You start the year off. You, I believe it was your career first win on opening night. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So look at that. Right off the rap, right off the rip, you're setting yourself up for a very poised season, uh, leading the points championship, which uh, talk about the most entertaining points race of the season out of any of the divisions of Pittsburgh. You're front and center pretty much the entire year long, right along for the ride, putting us yeah. for, uh, putting, uh, putting us through good entertainment. So uh, what was that like through the first few weeks, first few months of the racing season for you? You know, Coming off of that win, did you kind of ride on those high hopes for a while, or were you kind of getting a little bit frustrated in the fact that you couldn't quite get back to victory lane in a, in a quick manner, or were you just happy with that first one, but the focus was to remain consistent and contend for points? I was happy with that first win, but I knew we still needed to work more and work harder to get faster to be able to stay up and beat these guys consistently, I should say. Listeners, we need to take a break and get a word from one of our marketing partners. We'll be back after these messages. Every day when they open the doors at Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, their goal is to provide great customer service by offering affordable automotive and truck repair service performed by highly trained technicians at the highest industry standard. By implementing the latest diagnostic equipment and computerized repair manuals, you can rest assured that your vehicle will be repaired to factory specifications for your specific car or truck. At Zarin Truck and Automotive, they believe in honest repairs and will demonstrate that fully by explaining the repair or service you are receiving and they'll give you an estimate or quote before work is performed. When you choose Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights, Pennsylvania, you are choosing professional automotive repair and maintenance performed by expert automotive technicians. That's Zarin Truck and Automotive in South Heights. First couple of months coming off of that win, everything was going pretty good, consistent. Uh, have to miss one week for a graduation party. But when does that second win come about? No, oh, I can't remember when that second win was. I want to say it was mid-season. And for some- I think it was mid-season. So inevitably, though, uh, you probably don't win. The- I think there was three wins. Am I correct? Yeah, three wins that season. So, do you remember where the third one came from? Uh, I know the th- third one was towards the end of the season. Oh, yeah. The third one was a really good one, actually, because that's when that was the night when my cousin, Mark Corio, the 14 car, rolled his car and my engine blew up. That next week... We ended up taking his engine out of my car, which is considerably, everybody would say, a smaller engine because we didn't give him as much power as I did because he's still learning. So we put that in my car and came out the next week. And me being frustrated over everything that happened last week and just 
agitated because of everything that's going on. I just went out and wheeled that car, and that's when I had almost a half a track lead on the whole field. Hmm. Yeah, so that's I wanted to bring Mark into this conversation at some point, but you kind of just introduced him. But I mean, let's go ahead and just touch on that race there, your third and final victory of the season. A very emotional win for you, it sounds like. Uh, I'm sorry for not remembering your your the dates of your three wins, but nonetheless, the importance of that third win really stands out. Uh, would you say out of the three wins that that was probably the most meaningful, most important to you so far of your career? Yeah, that one that one definitely meant the most to me to be able to come back the next weekend and dominate. I mean, I was just happy happy because of everything that went on just having bad luck that that weekend and then coming back out with stuff that wasn't even mine and being able to park in the victory lane just made me happy so going forward past 2023 obviously you're going to be a hobby stock competitor this year but maybe in the future what are you looking to do with yourself i mean you love the monte carlos you love racing them is this truly what you're going to stick with for the entirety of your career do you see yourself eventually moving into something I hope to move up to a late model soon. Okay. Now are you going to go super know. rush? What are you thinking? We're going to start with a crate, okay. 604, and then go from there. Okay. But hopefully that's the next step. So you're starting to kind of make all the stars align, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Trying to. Yeah. <laughs> so why why rush late models? Why is that sticking out to you? Well, the main reason because that's where all the money is nowadays. If you if you see, I mean, all these big races, if you can drive a late model, I mean, you can damn near drive anything. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I'm just fascinated by them. They just, they look like a race car, you know? Hmm. Like a Monte Carlo, yeah, it looks like a race car, but it's still a street car. A uh, uh, late model, that's a race car. There's nothing about it that's that's you would find on a car that you would drive on the road. Hmm. I should say. I see what you mean. Which is fascinating. It, which is fascinating to me, and just how expensive one of these cars are, and being able to travel to different places and race them. It's just I. That's what I want to do. I want to travel around, and I want to race. That's what I want. That's what I hope to do. So sponsors, let's go ahead and get to that point now. People who help make this happen for your race team, sponsors, and people both that you would like to thank for this opportunity. Well, I want to thank all my upcoming sponsors for this season, Hot Dogs, Cozy Enterprises, um, Adam Solar Rides, Advanced Auto, um, Sean Nini at Snap-on Tools, uh, Vibers Garage, Shear Motors, Our Cars Auto Detailing, Paul's Auto Body and Custom, and J- JD Designs. How about that? A little bit of a uh, <laughs> list prepared there, or is that yeah. right off the top of the head? I had a list. <laughs> it's always good to have a helping hand. But what about the people that help make this event happen too, or, or your program happen too? You know, you mentioned your dad. You mm-hmm. mentioned your uncle. Your uncle, I guess that would technically be your uncle Ray, and then mm-hmm. your cousin Mark. Uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. you have other supporting cast that help make it possible as well. Mm-hmm. I want to thank my whole family. Um, my mom and dad, obviously, big support. Um, my girlfriend Adriana, um, my uncle Mo, and the rest of my. family family and friends and everybody that helps. What about racers at the track that have made an impact for your career as well? Do you have any drivers or or other competitive teams that have helped you along the way? Um, Definitely um, Carly and them. um, Carly Kovacs, their team helped us a lot. Um, Jake Simmons, like I said, Jake helped us tremendously. I mean, I can't tell you how many times 
he's been over, like, will come over and help us scale the car, or tell us we need to do this because that's not going to work, or just doing final adjustments. I mean, those guys have helped out so much that I don't think we'd be where we were if we didn't have those guys help. Gotcha. So how about that? I think we've gone on pretty long enough here, uh, just shy of an hour at this point. So let's go ahead and wrap some things up here. But Matt, really appreciate your time this evening. Uh, we look forward to seeing what you have in store for us for 2023. Hopefully a successful endeavor. I know you, you say that you don't race for championships. You, you pretty much race for wins and race for the sheer fact of competition. But hey, maybe you'll get a points championship out of that. But the only time will tell. And, and we look forward to seeing how that story unfolds. <laughs> I hope so. I'm glad for you having me. All right. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you later, and and good luck in 2023 season. All right. Thank you. Listeners, we need to take a break and get a word from one of our marketing partners. We'll be back after these messages. The offseason is here, but racing will return before you know it. Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway has been hard at work, setting the foundation for the 2023 racing season. Our schedule is now available, and it is full of many reasons to visit Dirt's Monster Half Mile this season. It all kicks off on Saturday, April 29th with our season opener and continues each Saturday night through the month of September. Major events include the highly anticipated Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series Pittsburgher, the Herb Scott Memorial, the Juke George Steel City Classic, the two-night Bill Hendred Memorial, the Ed Laboon Memorial, the Josh Lang hobby stock invitational the sport compact shootout and more our action event divisions return to stack each saturday night with heart pumping adrenaline the rush late models the penn ohio pro stocks hobby stocks open four cylinders and the young guns plus appearances from 410 wing sprint cars boss wingless sprint cars rush sportsman modifieds rush sprint cars and thunder on the dirts vintage modifieds be sure to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and purchase tickets now at ppms.com we're still at East Bay Raceway, and we're with uh, Wednesday night's winner, Travis Vaughn. Or Travis, we're looking at the car. It's an older Parish chassis, but you're a local driver. Uh, you run both the crate and the modified here, but more so crate than the modified. How big of an advantage is it when you have speed weeks here, being a local that you have over the guys that are coming from all over the United States? Oh, well, we got a little bit of advantage just because we run here year-round. I mean, we only ran a couple races last year in a modified and a handful in the late model. Um, so much work going on, it's hard to do it all. But, I mean, it's a little bit easier when you have to pick for a tire choice. Kind of already know what the track's going to do and how to how to set up the car for the end of the race. You know, with the speed weeks, are they making you run a specific tire choice? Because I know, you know, back in the day, we had so many combinations. You had soft, you had medium, you had hards. And, you know, here last Last night, we were, we were watching you race on flow. It seems like you were getting good bite off the bottom, and that, a lot of times that's where the Browns at. The guys are up bringing the, the top, and sometimes you can make success up there, but sometimes it's you make a little bit of a mistake, and it seems like one and two seems to be the big bugaboo for any of the drivers here. Yeah, one and two, those uh, the tractor tires, Ute tires on the bottom will, will mess you up really quick. So, I mean, you just got to stay stay slow right around the bottom, keep the tires cool, and, and save them for the end because you never know what's going to happen. You know, you, you mentioned prior to interviews you had a chance to run your crate last week. You know, how much of an advantage is it from running going from the crate to the modified, or how much does the track really change here at East Bay? There's really no advantage to, to running the crate the week before. The, the, the two cars just do not correlate whatsoever. The, the late model is so hammered down and 
Uh, they just kind of drive themselves. These modifieds, you're on, a, you're on half the size of tire. It's a harder tire, and you just got to be real, real particular with the modified. Now, do you feel like going from the modified to the lay model or a lay model back to the modified, what would be the biggest difference? So if you had run the late model, which you did last week first, versus the modified, or you ran the modified last week, would it have been any difference? No, sir, there wouldn't be any difference. Um, there's many a times we'll run a modified and a late model on the same night. And once you once you take a seat in the, in the car, you better know what you're driving and uh, it just knows it's way different. you got to change up your driving style and everything. With the track surface here at East Bay, traditionally, it seems they put a lot of moisture down. We'll be just nice with that. And how does that play into your hands? Because sometimes what you might have in a heat race is not what you're going to have in the feature. Correct. Yeah. I mean, even like right now, we got a lot of moisture on the track. Um, we got a lot smaller motor than a lot of these guys have. We're probably down 50 to 100 horsepower. So it's, it's a lot tougher to run the top, and especially keep up with them when the, the track's really fast and um, get, got some grip to it. So towards the end of the race is like whenever you get a little bit of black, that's kind of where the, these lower horsepower motors can, can kind of shine. So you actually would hope for it towards the end of the night that the track would rubber up a little bit? Um, maybe not so much rubber because then it just gets locked down in, in one groove. We like to we like to see a little bit of slick in spots so we can race around. They, they, that gives a little bit of a top side and a, at bottom, so we like to put on a good show with the vans. When you get the amount of cars that you have here, Travis, how big is qualifying? Oh, it's huge. Right now we're running eight E races, so only two transfer. So if you're not on the first two rows, you might as well. Pray, 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 and, and, and see what's going to happen. Make sure everybody, hopefully everybody crashes out in front of you. Um, so right now we're going to be starting third. we got to get to second. Two big motors in front of us. I don't know if we can do it or not. We may just have to uh, settle in for third and hope for a B-Main. Well, again, congratulations on your win last evening, and hopefully that third starts maybe get you up into the feature. Yeah, we're going to need a lot of luck tonight. Listeners, we need to take a break and get a word from one of our marketing partners. We'll be back after these messages. At Alternative Power Sources, they have always understood that your generator needs are never one size fits all. They are still the local generator company you have come to know and trust. But with expanded resources and expertise as a subsidiary of Curtis Power Solutions Company, part of the Indel Power Group. As a Curtis Power Solutions Company, they offer quality brands such as MTU, Kohler, Southeastern Power Products, and Yamaha Generators. They bring more experience for working on complex projects such as engineering and design services for data centers and healthcare facilities. At the same time, they continue to service all brands of standby generators. Also, don't forget to ask about their rentals for your next event or power emergency. If you have a project, Alternative Power Sources has a solution. Contact them today at 1-800-894-4455. That's 1-800-894-4455. We're with Thursday night's winner, Tyler Nicely. Tyler, I want to say with surprise, you'd be kind of running back mid-pack, uh, fourth, fifth, most of the evening. And then there was a... Uh, you know, the 12 car, the 21 car, I'm not sure if they got a little bit of contact, but there was those two, then uh, the, the 5 car, and 
on the restart, I think, you know, Drake took the bottom, and which is here, it seems to be sometimes there's more bite down there, but yet if you can carry some momentum, and I think maybe from a previous restart, you saw Drake got some good runs up there and passed some, some cars, and you took advantage of that because once you got out front, clearly the car was much better in cleaner air. Yeah, you know, uh, I just had to take my time coming through the field, and uh, when we got that late race caution there and lined me up on the outside, you know, I, I really figured Drake was going to go the outside, but uh, it worked our favor. Uh, I was able to drive it in as hard as I wanted to, you know, try and get beside Lucas's door where he knew I was there down the back stretch, and uh, I knew there was plenty of bite off four on the restart, so uh, it just played in our favor, and then once I got out in front, uh, I was just able to run the racetrack the way I needed to, where in traffic it's kind of hard because you really don't know where the guy's going in front of you um, with the grease on the bottom and the way this racetrack is, they can shove out and you can be on the outside of them, get stuffed in the fence or get underneath of them and, you know, get chopped. So uh, we just had to be smart coming through there and uh, it just paid off there at the end. From a Travers perspective, do you, can you take anything that you learned the first two nights, even while you're sitting under, under caution and say, maybe this is what I want to try because no one else has tried it, but that doesn't mean it won't work. Uh, yeah, we learned the first two nights not to do what we did. Um, we went we went backwards both nights, and uh, finally last night at dinner, you know, uh, we just we put our heads together and we just went back to how we've always ran this race car, and was just a lot smarter with our adjustments. Um, uh, I usually don't change nothing on this car, and uh, we've been changing everything this week. So we just went back to what we knew, and um, I was. It might be in my head, it might be in the race car, but I was more comfortable in the race car, and um, I think that's what put us out front tonight. Do you have that ability, you know, during the day when you're trying to brainstorm to maybe call Steve Arpin and say, you know, hey, this isn't really working what I thought it was going to do, and because of his background with modifieds, and everybody thinks of with the success they have with late models now, but how aero-dependent are these cars now? I mean, your front ends from the time that, you know, we drove, were, they're huge. Yeah, uh, which I'm not in a Longhorn no more. Uh, I'm, I'm back in an Elite chassis with Nick Hoffman, so... Uh, you know, me and Nick and Ryan, we've been talking all week. You know, any question I have, um, he's there to answer me. So, I mean, that means a lot. And uh, I wouldn't say these cars are really aero-dependent here, but the way the race cars are nowadays, and it's just better whenever you're out in front and you can dictate your own race and, you know, be in the line you want to run and use up the racetrack like you want to where you're not in traffic and, you know, having to race somebody else and all that so that's what makes it easier with speed weeks you know a two-week process you know we're down here at east bay having that first win under your belt early in the season how does that help tyler psyche and say geez you know i got that out of the back it's off the bucket list right now and now we can proceed with speed weeks and you know we got speed in the car we got to set it up well yeah, which we were able to knock off one win in North Florida last weekend. So, uh, you know, we got two wins under our belt this year already. So, I mean, it feels good. It's definitely a confidence booster, and uh, I just want to carry all this momentum into Volusia next week because that's my main focus. It also has to happen, help that 
for the big race, you know, these these aren't paying all that much, but you know, Saturday's race, a five thousand dollar win for a modified, it's a pretty good you know payday, and you, you, you seems like you're setting yourself up well. Yeah, you know, uh, I think tonight was a step in the right direction, just uh, getting me comfortable in the race car and having a good balance. Uh, that's the main thing for the 75 lap or what you're going to have to have. You know, you're going to have to have a car that's going to go at the beginning half and then at the end you're going to have to have a car that's going to go the last 10 laps and try uh, to be able to win the thing. You know, uh, East Bay has been uh, terrible to me in the past, so uh, hopefully tonight's a turning point. Well, congratulations on your win this evening and best of luck the next two nights. Yeah, thank you. The offseason is here, but racing will return before you know it. Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway has been hard at work, setting the foundation for the 2023 racing season. Our schedule is now available, and it is full of many reasons to visit Dirt's Monster Half Mile this season. It all kicks off on Saturday, April 29th with our season opener and continues each Saturday night through the month of September. Major events include the highly anticipated Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series Pittsburgher, the Herb Scott Memorial, the Juke George Steel City Classic, the two-night Bill Hendred Memorial, the Ed Laboon Memorial, the Josh Lang Hobby Stock Invitational, the Sport Compact Shootout, and more. Our action event divisions return to stack each Saturday night with heart-pumping adrenaline, the Rush Late Models, the Penn Ohio Pro Stocks, Hobby Stocks, Open 4 Cylinders, and the Young Guns. Plus, appearances from 410 Wing Sprint Cars, Boss Wingless Sprint Cars, Rush Sportsman Modifieds, Rush Sprint Cars, and Thunder on the Dirt's Vintage Modifieds. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and purchase tickets now at ppms.com. We're at East Bay Raceway Park. It's a Thursday evening, and we see a familiar face from the Pennsylvania area, Drake Troutman. Rap, welcome to Rapping on Racing. Been a pretty good first two nights, opening night victory, fifth last night. But the big thing that we see is, you know, we are used to seeing Drake in the number seven, and we see the seven kind of transplanted on the car, but this is a whole different setup for you this year. Let's, you know, tell the listeners about it. Yeah, we uh, we seen that with Jerry Foster racing this year, and uh, you know, very fortunate for the opportunity to drive his his new uh, Longhorn chassis, Mullins racing engines, and uh, you know, it's definitely a, a really good piece, and it's top-notch equipment. He's given me everything that I need to to go out here and win the national national races. So. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to making sure that we do our job and um, I do my job. And we're, uh, like I said, we're given the right equipment. So it's it's kind of in our hands right now. Drake, we always know you're up on the wheel. You're always the contender whenever you pull in. But, you know, when I, when I saw the Longhorn on there, you know, you traditionally run an MB Custom. And I don't want to say sometimes chassis are as different as night and day. And, but it, it, you've only been in a handful of races on this. And, and the car has been quick, but I'm sure sure it has to be some type of adjustment to you yeah it's been a big change it drives a little bit different but uh you know we're adapting pretty well to it we seem to have a fair amount of speed with it so uh you know we just got to keep on trucking along and and uh i think it didn't take very long to, to work the bugs out of it um you know steve arpin and ethan dotson you know all them guys they've been nothing but good to us here with uh with longhorn chassis and uh you know shorter loomis and everyone else back the shop to help put this thing together so uh you know we're just going to keep on working and hopefully just keep getting better i think the inter- 
interesting part when we talk about a Longhorn chassis with a modified is you know, we think of a Longhorn with the late model since the success Jonathan Davenport have and all these guys now, Timmy McCready, but if you, you mentioned Steve Arpin who's basically heading, heading the things back at Longhorn, but Steve's career is back into modifieds. So I don't think a lot of people know that. Yeah, it's a lot of people forget that, but um, you know, he kind of kind of got this deal back up and going, and you know, it's uh, it's awesome to to see some of the late model world, I guess, venture into the modified world. Um, you know, we we're starting to build a re really good relationship with uh, Longhorn chassis, and I think in the long run, it's just going to be good for everyone. You know, with the modified Drake, the, the the Longhorn hasn't been out there that many years. Am I wrong at that? Um. The Longhorn's been out there for a while. Longhorn by low and bro, not so much. Um, you know, Kyle Strickler, he's always been in the Longhorns from what I remember. But, uh, you know, uh, Steve and those guys have really uh, been putting out some race cars here lately. Um, you know, they're... They're a heck of a nice piece, you know, their craftsmanship, their body work, just everything into it's uh, absolutely beautiful. So, you know, it's uh, we're lucky to have this opportunity and we can't wait to see see what happens here in the future. How different is it and again, you know, you always ran a family operation now to run for someone else because you know, I had partners where, you know, we went in to race for someone else and, it, and it's a little bit different I mean you still do what you got to do but it's not your equipment and, and yet sometimes you might have a tendency to be a little bit easier because you don't want to tear it up yeah it's uh you know Jerry he's we've known each other for a while now so you know we were kind of comfortable with each other going into this deal there there wasn't ever really an awkward stage which very fortunate for you know it's uh we never never had to get really set a point where we had to get to know each other so uh we went into this deal knowing each other and and uh yeah he tells me to run it so we're uh just got to do what we got to do to win and um you know it, just just got to keep digging had to be a good, you know, feeling right out the box having the success of it. You are, but you know, Drake, when you, when you look at things like this and you run the late model as well, are you going to have an abbreviated schedule with the modified? Or are you just going to hit certain bigger races, or is you're going to try to do both as you can? Uh, we're going to focus on the late model stuff. Um, we're going to run this thing probably 20 times this year. I don't think that they really want. I shouldn't even say really 20 times because I don't I don't know how much they want to race as far as I don't think they want to do something every weekend. But, uh, you know, I think that we're going to probably race it maybe two, three, four times a month and uh, just have kind of a limited selective schedule that we can go and and uh, try to make a little, little bit of money and... I don't know, just have fun, you know, have a, a good season with some races. Well, you got to have fun, but, you know, just to wrap some things up, uh, the late model schedule, are this is going to be in a, kind of a hit and miss thing again like last year? Um, yeah, we'll just, we'll be bouncing around everywhere. Or we're going to take and, and just try to hit the races it makes sense to go to. And, um, you know, uh, we really just got to sit down and, check out some schedules and see what goes on well again we know it's starting to get busy here qualifying is coming up we you know wish you best of luck tonight and hopefully the success you've had this week continues this evening drake i appreciate it me too <laughs>
The staff at Rappin' on Racing would like to thank our marketing partners, Curtis Power Solutions, Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, Alternative Power Sources, Zarin Truck and Automotive, and RPS Financial Solutions. Without these companies, Rappin' on Racing would not be possible. State's number one motorsports talk show. Today's program was brought to you in part by our marketing partners. Recognized by the Eastern Motorsports Press Association as one of the top racing shows in the Eastern United States. Have a great week and be sure to tune in for another installment of Rappin' on Racing. Stand on it. Come on, y'all. Stand on it.